Welcome to The Deeper Dive. In this podcast series, we take the topic, the passage, the theme of the season, and dive deeper, hence the name, uh, into that passage, unpacking it, looking at some of the theological implications, stretching it, uh, conversing over it, modeling, engaging the word, uh, as I think God made us to do, and then talking more than anything about what this means for us and how it plays out. Yeah, we talked about this last time, but just the idea of on a Sunday or during a service, there's really only time to talk about like one or two things before everyone becomes disinterested in what you're talking about. So that's sort of the goal of this podcast is to talk about all the stuff we didn't get to say on the weekends, dive a little bit deeper and hope uh, that we all grow together from it. So I hope you all enjoyed the last one and looking forward to this deeper dive. Here we go, George. This is an auspicious occasion, this episode two of the Deeper Dive, because we have our first Deeper Dive podcast series guest, Pastor Neil Cheshire is here, Mr. Community himself. Hello, guys. Thank (laughs) you guys for having me here. The most spiritual man I know. If only the three of us were practiced at talking together. (laughs) Right. We had more this is quickly could devolve into a Nuggets podcast. Where we so we will not do that. This about time. sports, which we might do on Won't occasion. Do it. Won't do it. All right. Uh, here we go. So where we uh, have clearly tread is that our mission as a church, we believe not to be some newfangled construction, but really just a distilling of Jesus' ideal for his church. Jesus, as we've said week after week, said, I will build my church. No qualifications, no conditions guaranteed. Hell won't prevail against it. Pandemic won't prevail against it. Recession won't prevail against it. Tension and strife won't prevail against it. The only thing that can keep the church from accomplishing its mission is the church itself by getting its eye off the ball. Jesus said, I will build my church. No guarantees about your church, Neil, your church, George or Rob, but I will build my church. So we've been asking the question, what does it look like to build Jesus's church? And our mission as a church, I think, aims to anchor ourselves to that truth, to live with Jesus, live in family and live on mission. What we've seen in the text and discovered and tried to pull out over the course of the month of August in our services is that these are interrelated. They're inextricably connected, right? To live with Jesus is to live in family because that's the way Jesus lived. Jesus said, as the Father and I and the Holy Spirit are one, may you and I be one. May you all be one with each other to share Jesus' communion. And then um, we talked about koinonia, the fellowship that characterizes that permanency of connection, right? Permanence of connection. And then uh, to live in family, George, you talked about last week, is to live on mission. Exactly. And we we sort of gave a, um, a, a metaphor that I, was, I think I was just sort of working with in my mind, and hopefully it made sense to you, of Jesus being the bus driver. I don't know what color the bus is in your mind, but me inside, you see Jesus like a big yellow bus. And we talked about how to live with Jesus is to live in family, right? So if Jesus is driving the bus, to follow Jesus um, is to be invited onto a bus with other people. Uh, Like they're already on the bus. So it's not like you can say, well, Jesus, I love you, but who are 
all these fools. You know what right. I mean? It's like, no, it's actually they're with me. So to be with me means to be together. Um, and we kind of dove into that a little bit. <laughs> um, but I think the, the other half of that analogy maybe is the, the idea of if you're on a bus, if you're on a road trip, if, you're, if, you're, if Jesus is, is, is driving, then there's a, an inherent destination involved. And the fact that we're all in this bus together with Jesus means that wherever we're going, that we are together going to be a part of it, right? So there's destination involved um, in the analogy, and there's a participation, uh, I think, that's, that's inherent in, in what it means to be the family of God. It means we're in the bus and we're going in a certain direction. And um, that's sort of what we unpacked uh, a couple of weeks ago, is this idea that Jesus has a desire to build together with us. So take those two directions. They're directions that in practical church experience throughout the, the years and decades have often diverged. The, the church that's about growing up in faith in, in together with the family of God in Jesus. And then that's about going out and engaging the city with the gospel, with the love of Jesus together. Both are ideals of our church. Both express our mission, but often those diverge. You're either the outreach church, right? Or you're the, the spiritual growth focused church. And we often as a church, um, as the church, kind of tacitly make people choose. We don't say we're going to make them choose, but we present it as either this or that, where what I see in Jesus, tell me what you guys think about this in just a second. What I see in Jesus is that he invites us to follow him as he did those 12 men, to be his disciples. And the work of discipleship puts engaging the city with the love of Jesus and growing yeah. as a person and in faith with Jesus as not a choice to be made, but as, as a both end, as two sides of the same coin. Neil, you're our resident discipleship guy. Yeah. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And I think, you know, something that we use in our group leader training uh, is a Henry Nowen article where he talks about from solitude to community mm -hmm. and to ministry and how all three of these missional values that we have as a church all work together. And so that solitude, that time with Jesus, that's the hub of a wheel, right? You, you picture a wheel with spokes, right? In the hub, that's where you are with Jesus. It's centered. Everything comes from that place. And then in community, those are the spokes Right, that come out from the hub that you're connected with. And then the rim of the wheel is the ministry that happens. And so the community mm. holds yeah. up the ministry and makes it happen. Because when we are fully known and loved by God, then we can be fully known and loved in a the context of community with other yeah. people. And we have the courage for that. And then when we are fully known and loved by God and in a context of community, we have the courage mm -hmm. to reach out to the world and love the world like Jesus did. Okay, so um, from that launch pad, let's unpack this a little bit. Um, we have a congregation that collectively make up the family of God here at Denver United, uh, our brothers and sisters whom we love that come from all over the church galaxy, from Presbyterian the church, the church galaxy. <laughs> to Pentecostal and, and everywhere in between, right? We've got Baptists <laughs> and Lutherans and Catholics and, and um, Charismatics and... So we all, and, and the three of us alone, have been a part of a, a number of different right. church traditions. Right. Why is it, George, that um, church tends to make us choose? It's either the church that expresses and understands um, the Christian life and discipleship as going out and doing together, or as 
functionally staying in and growing together? Why do we make it an either or? I probably wouldn't ask me that. Like I'm typically the guy that's like super annoying with this when there's, whenever there's a binary, whenever it's You're both guy. It's the, I'm the, like I slowly have evolved or devolved, whichever, I don't know, like into both. Like typically whenever it's this or that, I think there's always a third option or a combination of the both. And I think the reason we do that in church is because we do that in everything. Like we typically want to snap to either side because it's, it's easier. You talk about this a lot uh, with our staff and I've heard you say it a bunch of just the idea of living in tension is, is uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. It's easier to just snap to one side because mm-hmm. I can relax. Right. But uh, I think Jesus calls us into tension in so many areas where it's not comfortable. So the reason I think we do that is because it's a little bit more comfortable. Right. Um, it's just it's easier just to be like, well, this is what we're all about. Right. Um, but when you look at the at the life of Jesus and his disciples in the early church, it was a fluid, like. Uh, uh, back and forth, a wheel almost right. of of both. They would they would disappear with Jesus to be by themselves and do no work. Right? Let's just be together. I want to explain these parables to you. I want to pour into you. And there's some of some churches that just that's comfortable. Let's just dig into the word. Let's just grow. Let's be silent. Let's do all these practices that help build us up. And that's like <laughs> really really comfortable. Or some of us are really uncomfortable with being with ourselves. Like, cause when you're we're in that space, you know what I'm saying? It's sort of like, it's vulnerable. It's hard for Jesus to work out some of that stuff in us. So we'd rather just X out that portion of what Jesus did with his disciples and just focus on how they cared for the poor and did good and all those things. And, um, I, I think it's just more comfortable for us to snap, uh, to one grid or the other. But one of the things that we talked about in the message a couple of weeks ago with the, with the miracle of uh, Jesus feeding the multitudes was how Jesus did the miracle, but the disciples did the distribution and they mm-hmm. kept coming back to Jesus to go out right. and distribute. It was like a constant back and forth. And that takes effort. It takes, right. and so many of us probably spend a lot more, maybe some of the churches on, on one side spend a lot of time sitting at the feet of Jesus and never distributing the bread to the right, people. Right. And then the and then there's some of us maybe that spend a lot of time s- distributing the bread, doing the work, being on the streets, caring for people, but if we're not careful, we're not really coming back to Jesus and we're just out there doing it on our own, uh, which doesn't work either. So discipleship, following Jesus, that's all that that word means. We make a lot out of it in church leadership culture, but it really just means the concerted um intentional work of following Jesus. Discipleship really is two sides of the same coin. And Neil, I, I think often in church, um, maybe we we feel threatened or as church leaders, we look uh, at other churches and, and recognize some insecurities in ourselves or something like that. But, but the tendency is to diminish uh, another church because they got it half right and thus they're wrong. <laughs> What if we looked at it and recognized that the half that they got right is an approximation of Jesus. The half that they got right is an approximation of Jesus. And if we live long enough and are faithful enough that we maybe come close to getting half of it right, we're another approximation of Jesus. So we can say, if they're for Jesus, we're for them, rather than rejecting everybody and saying, hey, come do it our way. Jesus' way, though, makes it both and. How does that practically work out? How do you practice the latter without leaving the former undone? Doesn't one end up being the favorite child and the other, the, the sort of uh, ugly stepchild? Right, and I think 
and part of it has to do with your personality as well. I mean, I think what you're talking about, George, it's kind of the introvert and extrovert churches. You know, like the introvert churches are the ones who love to sit in their prayer closet and draw closer and closer to Jesus. And then the extrovert church loves to go out and give to the poor and, and do things like that. So I think we have to be self-aware enough to know where do we lean, mm-hmm. what's more comfortable for us, and then we have to be intentional to grow up into maturity in Christ in an area where we're not comfortable. And yeah. so we need to work on those things. And so if we know that we lean naturally more to, towards the intimacy with Jesus, then we have to be intentional to challenge ourselves. And that's the purpose of community, because community keeps us accountable to growing in all areas to be more like Jesus. And so we have to be intentional to be wow. outward focused and then community holds us accountable to that. That's a powerful idea the the accountability function of okay. community. Not only is there a synergistic effect, you know the, the 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 draft horse phenomenon where one can pull this much weight and you can have a second and it pulls that that much weight but you put them together and they can um, pull right. exponentially right. more. That there is there's a synergy but there's also an accountability because uh, as it goes with churches of different denominational traditions so with young churches that are more of a mutt more of a mishmash like we are mm-hmm. you'll have one person whose strength is in spiritual growth and discipleship right. and men they can lead a, an expository study of the bible up one side of the wall and down the other um and then you get somebody else whose strength is taking that gospel and putting it into motion yeah. outside the walls of the church or the living room mm-hmm. um i hadn't thought of it in terms of the, their value to one another being accountability unpack that a little bit yeah so i think naturally um just like the ephesians four sixteen verse says you know jesus binds us together right but when we each do our own special work it helps the other parts grow and so the whole body is healthy growing and full of love so if we do our own special work of maybe it's outreach and the thing that we're really good at or someone else does their own special work of diving deeper with the lord but we come together in a community then we learn from each other we get we inspire one another by seeing it in real time a real person doing it rather than just talking about it or it being an idea or theology Mm. we see someone live out that value and then we can learn from their example Um, just like anything in life the times where we grow the most and where we can really grab hold of something is when we see someone doing it Mm -hmm. and so in community it gives us the opportunity to witness it in real time and then put it into practice. You know what this makes me think of? A basketball team where you got one player who's prodigiously (laughs) gifted on offense and another who's a natural defender and they work synergistically and each maybe pulls the other up or brings out the best in one another. Yeah, and I feel like in our culture today, there's a lot of, and maybe it's always been this way just as a 33-year-old, you're like, today, nowadays, and once actually always been that way. But like there's a lot of emphasis on on purpose and me finding my purpose and what I'm here to do and how God's gifted me into it. And when you said that, I mean, I just wonder what it would look like if we considered our our gifting, which I think we all have. We all have a, a purpose. We all have something that God's gifted us to do. If we viewed that not in light of ourselves primarily, but how that's going to help other right. people that's grow. Good. Like when I do what God's called me to do, nice. it helps other people grow. Yeah. And similarly, when other people do what they're called to do, like I need what's in you. Like I need you to flourish, not because you're trying to live your best life, but you doing what you're called to do helps me and us grow together. It helps us be less intimidated. Like I don't have to tell the contemplative person to be less contemplative right. and to get out into the streets. No, you doing that helps us grow. Uh, but but if the whole body, like Paul says, right, if it was a foot, 
then it's not going to work that well. Like, so we, your strength benefits Jesus and the kingdom and the church on, on the front end, but it benefits the church on the back end by your strength um, injecting strength or calling out a less strong area in me right. and giving it confidence, Absolutely. giving it vision for itself. Okay, in the nerd corner yeah. segment of the show, it's go. time for... Nerd corner. Are you going to read something in Greek? I'm gonna, I want to. I want to dive in <laughs> yes. on this idea. Yes, <laughs> it's not called nerd corner for nothing. All right, uh, the nerd corner segment of the show. Neil, you mentioned Ephesians four sixteen. One of my uh, one of the most influential verses of scripture in my life. It says, and I read it in three different translations on Sunday, so the congregation's probably sick of hearing me say it. Um, but it, 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 the more modern and um, um, What's the word I'm looking for? Um, like the passion or the... Right. Contemporary? Um, no, the, the passion, the, um, the translation or the uh, message. The dynamic? Uh, dynamic, thank Is that what you were going for? The more dynamic translations. <laughs> the, the, it's presented more of a euphemistically talking about the, the connectedness of the body. But the more literal translations, like the ESV says, the whole body is joined and held together by every joint with which it is equipped. And then it grows uh, as each one strengthens, the, each member of the body strengthens the others. I've never before distinguished the members of the body, mm -hmm. being maybe the hands, the ears, etc., from the connectors of the members of the body. But the word hafi is what's translated that. every <laughs> joint. Say that where you are in your car. Hafi. Hafi. Put your mask on before you say that. <laughs> and this is a noun that comes from the root verb. The root word is a verb, which means to connect. But in Greek, it's almost invariably used, at least in the scripture context, um, in, a, in an idiomatic or metaphoric way to refer to the, the connections or connector members of the body, like ligaments and tendons that hold not a member itself, but that which holds this member to that. Mm -hmm. So I started thinking, how is that, um, what does that supply? It talks about um, what every joint supplies. What is the joint, the hold together faction supply? Mm -hmm. I think it's a relationship. I think it's the it's it's what mm. binds one member to the next, the ligament that right. so to speak that keeps the bottom part of my leg connected to the top part of my leg is the relationship. And there's a bunch of relationships holding these members together. Mm. And the question is what do those relationships supply to the body? First, before that question, do you buy it? That the ligaments and tendons, the joints, are, aren't the members, but the connections, the relationships between the members. I mean, this feels like it just sort of the whole idea builds on each other, right? Like the body is, 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 is made up of diverse parts. And the thing that can hold two different parts of the body together is, is a relationship. Right. So it's 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 the reason why people in our church from two different backgrounds, socioeconomic statuses, uh, political beliefs, they're they're like they're two different bones. Like they're mm -hmm. not even mm -hmm. like they're really not the right. same. But mm -hmm. a relationship is what can bring two separate, different, mm -hmm. diverse parts together mm -hmm. and hold them together. So I totally buy that. I think. Um, How does that lead to growth, Neil? Well, I think. Sorry, George, you were about to say something else. <laughs> no, I, I wasn't. I don't think I don't think I would. I could talk more. I could always talk. Okay, come back after Go. Neil, because yeah. I want to hear the second half yeah. of your thought. Uh, well, so relationships. How do relationship help growth? Is that what yeah. you, that the question was? Yeah, I think um, I think part of it is we kind of touched on it a little bit. I think part of it is that you get to see life and 
godliness and the world through a different perspective. I mean, we, we're limited by our own experience. You know what I mean? We only know what we've experienced. And so when you have a relationship with someone, especially someone who's different from you, who's had a different experience than you, then you have the opportunity to see the world through a different, um, for, through a different vantage point. Uh, and with that, you get to see things that you wouldn't have seen yourself. It's like seeing through a different lens. And so with that, there's opportunities for growth because you only know what you know, right? right? And so, but when you're in relationship with someone, then you get to learn something that you don't know, which challenges you to grow in your faith or your relationships or your family or um, the different aspects of your life. And I would say the oneness of the body too probably goes beyond growth, which I certainly think is a part of it or the relationships that, that connect it. Um, but I think, it, I think the connection, the relationship, the, the, the thing, the tendons that keep the body connected provides the opportunity for healing as well. Um, right. Not just growth. I mean, thinking about the body, like Noah fell off of his, uh, my son, my seven-year-old, fell off his bike at the DMX, BMX park. I said DMX, DMX, um, BMX park and scraped his shoulder up, right? And in that moment, because the body's connected, because his arm isn't just floating, suspended in space, because of the connection of the body, those white blood cells rush to that spot. Right. And, and, and although the rest of the body may be doing well right now, we're gonna send some extra help to what needs it. And, 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 and it's the, able to get there. And it's right. able to get there because it's connected, right? So I feel like it's the metaphor could just preach and just keep going, you know, but the, the connection also allows for healing because when one part of the body is hurting, that's what Paul said, right? Like if one part's weak, right. the whole body, it's not the body, the, the hand can't say to the mouth, well, hey, you know, I'm a hand, so good luck up there. The connection allows for growth and for the, for the body to support the yes. parts that are weak and that are hurting or that are right. in pain. And, and that connection makes that healing possible as well. So let's unpack this in another direction. We talked about how um, we make outreach, if you will, city engagement, taking the gospel to the streets and growing up in Christ, maturing as divergent either or choice paths. Uh, when in fact, it seems in Jesus' church, they're two sides of the same coin. They, they fuel each other. Uh, in a different direction, I want to unpack this thing because... Well, let me go back to the beginning. The basis of this series, together, comes from a Greek word while we're still in nerd corner for yep. a moment. Hama, remember, which is together with. It's, yeah. It is a horizontal together with Jesus vertically, that we grow together with him. Mm -hmm. You and I, humans, fellow humans, grow together with him, Jesus, mm -hmm. God in the flesh, who works in, in us and uh, to will and act according to his good purpose, right? Exactly. So, um the, the way we talked about how we've seen church present a false choice of either the, the church that engages the city with the love of Jesus or the church that engages my soul with the love of Jesus, when really uh, it's the work of the church to do both. Mm -hmm. Likewise, have you experienced church that, or, or Christianity, maybe outside the context specifically of the local church, that styles spiritual growth or and uh, city engagement as a, a sort of solo endeavor, a, 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 a lone ranger mm. enterprise for once you hit a certain level of enlightenment, like the spiritual black belts get sent out on these secret ninja <laughs> missions um, to do the work, but we can't be bothered by taking these dulled, um, immature believers right. from the masses of the body with us. We, if we're going to really get any work done, we got to kind of, we got to kind of um, go secret agent. Have you seen that? play out and why does Jesus seem to say otherwise 
I, I don't know if I've, I mean, no one teaches that. Like no one's going to be right. like, you know what, here's our philosophy here. Do ministry alone. You know, like, like, like no one does that. But I think we, 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 we can say it by not emphasizing the together nature of it. So when right. I, and I think sometimes that's why the mission, missionality, city engagement, whatever name you want to give it can be so intimidating because we interpret it as something I'm supposed to do by myself. Right. And I think that's the burden that gets, that gets heavy. And that gets difficult when Jesus says, my, my burden is easy, my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Like, um, but the, the together nature of it, um, I think, makes it a bearable burden when I know I'm not called to do this on my own, but I'm called to do it with other people. And I think uh, Neil and I were talking about this a couple of weeks ago as he was helping me with my message. Um, the idea of the early church, was it, was it Peter and John? Yeah, that yeah. they, they, they get arrested and they're before the council and they're preaching and they're bold and they have them flogged and whipped. And, and then they, what do they do from their mission, from being out in the streets? They go back to the community right. and they share what happened. And they're like, they pray to God for boldness. They're like, God, like, would you fill us, help us? And then the Holy Spirit falls. And then they spent the next 40 days in an internal revival in the upper room. No, like they, they commune together with God mm -hmm. and then went back out to do the thing that they were called to do. So yeah. I feel like, it, it, I, to answer your question more directly, I, don't, I, I, don't, I think I've seen it by omission, mm -hmm. if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Well, and I was going to say too, I think that a lot of times we, it's the idea of, the, of our calling. Like I feel called to do mm. this. It's my mission. It's a it's personal a, calling. It's a personal calling, an individual That's, calling. Yeah. And so I think in the church, we've had a tendency to talk about what is you, what are you called to do? What is your purpose? How, fulfill your purpose. Fulfill your mission, your mm. own test and trust and temporary assignment while you're here. What is that for you? And then fulfilling that. But the problem is, is that I feel like what, what doesn't get talked about as much is a collective purpose and a collective mm -hmm. calling. Uh, and so I think because of the omission of that, then naturally when people hear mission, they think of, oh, what I personally, individually am right. called. And Neil, I wonder if, um, if that, that bias toward the individual interpretation of mission uh, has to do with our misconception of the significance, the importance of expertise. Like we think right. it's going to get accomplished more and better if the one doing it is more and, and better, better. <laughs> right? And we don't we don't have as much use for people who are less and worse. But Jesus doesn't seem to have the same calculus. It seems to be not us, but Him through us, and Him through us, not me, is right. more valuable than Him through a really excellent you. That's good. And I mean, like the reason this whole idea really hit ahead for me, and I've been talking about this with Neil and others for like a couple of years, is just starting to get convicted by like some of the prayers that I would find myself praying. You know, I talked about that in the message a little bit, just like God, like I would be, you know, praying for God's hand to move or for God to change the city or for God to right. encourage. And I'm just like, I just really felt convicted of like, God looking back at me saying, well, if, if, if you are the body, then you're going to also have to go and do something. But I also think, and I hadn't thought about this until you just said that, we can view ourselves as individuals as a part of the body. Mm -hmm. Like, okay, well, then I am the mouth. Well, no, maybe y'all are the mouth. <laughs> Right, it's not like it's not like a one to one. Like, oh, well, I'm the foot, so Neil, you can't be the foot. You got to be the elbow. Unless we have like five million arms. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know. but the, the the collective body of Christ is 
we are only the body all together. So maybe there's a group of us in this smaller local church that are supposed to be the eyeball. You know what I'm saying? It's not just my job to see it, but there's a bunch of us that are going to function as one part of the body and not like it's, it's not, we're not competing for body parts Mm, here. That's good. (laughs) Okay. Um, to wrap this up, as we always do, um, let's ask, what does this mean for us tomorrow morning after you listen to this, after we come back from church and being together, refreshed by the family of God and his presence, and then go back to our lives in the city right now, we're in a time of unprecedented isolation. Most of us have come out of spring and summer where we're just exhausted by the smallness of our worlds. And um, we're not able to come together without great um, precautions and limitations as a church. And so it seems like this this idea is hopeful in, in in a transcendent big picture sense, but right now where we are, in COVID age, it feels like it's it's discouraging and hopeless. What does this mean for us today? How do we practice together, Hama, living together with Christ, building together with Christ, growing together with Christ? Well, I think it's what we've said. I mean, we say it time and time again because it's a value of our church. It's who we are. And it's because we really believe this. And that's to get into a group, to be a part of a small group community where you can experience support. Like we talked about with the with all the different tendons, you can experience encouragement. You can experience um, accountability, someone who challenges you in your faith, who's different from you. Those are things that you can't experience alone. Support, encouragement, accountability, those things don't happen in isolation by ourselves. And so in order for us to grow up into maturing in Christ, we need to be in a small group of people that can hold us accountable so we can grow in those areas. And so the ways in which we do that, and we're, we're trying to uh, create new opportunities for consistent community as a church. And so one of the ways we've talked about doing that is having these things called service groups, which are groups that meet around the Sunday service at a person's home. Maybe you get together 15 minutes before the 1045 showing, you, you have coffee, you engage with each other like your lobby experience, you know, and then you watch the service together, you worship together, and then you listen to the message, and then we provide discussion questions to dive in deeper right after that, and to hold each other accountable, to grow, pray for one another, and then share lunch together. You know, have a little potluck and and do the Acts old school church feel of meeting in a home, like a micro campus, and then grow in Christ collectively together. You know, it's funny, we, we think that we're isolated because we miss our large gatherings. But the irony is it never was in the large gatherings, be it a church or a sports arena or a music um, performance or otherwise. It it, it never was there that the relationships that strengthen uh, us and advance the reason for living um, really happened. It was always in a smaller community setting. And where COVID limits the large gathering capability and forces us to get creative and to diversify that and and to worship together remotely through a live stream, it doesn't at this point inhibit or prohibit our ability to gather in the kind of community that leads to growth. Yeah, I guess I would say, as you were sharing about that, I mean, like my personality just 
not as like Pastor George, but just as George, like I, th- that could be hard for me. Like what sounds relaxing to me, like what I think I want after like a, like a hard day or just a tough season is to just sit by myself and just be alone. You know what I'm saying? Like I, that's what I think I need. But I think for some of us maybe that are listening to this and you're like, man, like I know like the group thing, it just doesn't, to do. I ought to right. want, but man, how many of the things in our life that are good for us are also the things we don't want to do. You know what I mean? Right. And then you do it and you're like, yeah, like that. You know what right. I'm saying? Like I should stop eating bags of candy. I'm talking about myself. And, but like, and I should have vegetables or, or fruit. And then it, I don't want to do it. It's awkward. It's hard. But then when you push through that and you do it, you find that the thing you actually needed on the other end of that was the thing you didn't want to do. Um, so for, for some of you that like have never been in a group or just the thought of that, you just turn this podcast off and put on Kendrick Lamar or whatever you listen to. Like, don't do that, man. Like, push through it because a, a lot of those days for me even, like the time where I didn't want to engage with people. After I did it, I realized, man, that some of the things I was praying for so God good. to do, God encouraged me, God so lift good. my spirit. He wanted to do through Neil. He wanted to do through Rob or through Mari or through Lynn. Like, so, man, push through the awkward. I, I challenge you. So and I think good. you'll find the thing that your soul really needs. You know what that does is it pushes on the notion that community is all well and good for extroverts. Um, right. But introverts, uh, Jesus is going to be a different Jesus because we don't <laughs> right. enjoy... Um, people. Well, I mean, you might enjoy vegetables less than candy for the rest of your life, but it doesn't make it empirically worse for you to eat candy and right. empirically better for you to eat vegetables. And Jesus has equipped us with the capacity to grow, to stretch. One part of Christian living might be more stretching for me and another for you, but Jesus' right. grace is in it all the same. There's grace uh, for each of us in all of the parts of growing up in Christ, the ones that our personality lends to and the one that our personality might pull away from. Mm-hmm. Jesus is in both. Time for us to go. Great discussion, brothers. Neil, will you uh, pray us out today? Yes. Lord Jesus, thank you, God, that you are with us, Lord, that we are never alone. Lord God, that you're always present. And Lord, I just pray for everyone who's tuning in to this today, Lord Jesus, that they will just feel your nearness, God, that you give them grace and courage uh, and boldness, Lord Jesus, to seek out, Lord, community and to experience the life that you designed them to have in that authentic community that we are uh, all pursuing, Lord Jesus. I thank you, God, for them. Bless my brothers and sisters today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you all for being with us. This has been The Deeper Dive. The Deeper Dive. I got to work on my radio. Talk to you next time. The Deeper Dive.